0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth we would love for you to worship with us at 10:30 on Sunday mornings at 1808 highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas Good morning I, uh... Got up early Saturday. I've been uh, preparing and working on these notes for a while, and unfortunately Wednesday night, <laughs> I already told Brian about this. I uh, I wasn't able to be here Wednesday, but I wanted to hear his lesson, so I set aside some time Wednesday or Saturday morning. Uh, while I was going over my notes and kind of timing out, and I got to listen to his sermon, <clears throat> and let's just say we're thanking a whole lot of light. So I I had a birthday party to go to Saturday, my granddaughter's first birthday. I knew, at least with my feeble old mind, I couldn't prepare another sermon that quickly and piece it together. So uh, with that in mind, you'll just have to bear with me. Some of this is overlap with what you heard Wednesday. Uh, Some of it's from my perspective. It's gonna be some different stuff, but uh, there's gonna be a whole lot of uh, possibly repeat thought process, so I guess great minds think alike. I think uh, a lot of God placing things on our heart in this congregation. There have been many, many times where um, out of the blue we all kind of think about the same thing at the same time. So this is one of those times. Um, Hopefully it won't be too much repeat. We're going to open up with a thought in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 29th verse. That verse says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is what? Good to the use of edifying, that it may minister to the grace unto the hearers. Now then, this King James translation, uh, the Greek word sapros was used here uh, for corrupt. And what that means basically is that which is rotting and putrid and it smells like rotting flesh. So That's a very descript word to use for the type of conversation uh, that we are directed as Christians not only to avoid, but to have no part of in our life. It describes the kind of conversation that a Christian shouldn't have any part of in conversing with other people, with other Christians, and with non-Christians alike. And, Although the very first thought that may come to mind when we hear have no corrupt communication may possibly be uh, curse words, cursing, foul mouth, potty mouth, that's true. Uh, But also know your audience. And looking out in the audience this morning, I see a crowd mostly of of Christians and Christian families being raised and Christian households. So I'm gonna go ahead and make the assumption that's not something that any of us really deal with on an in-depth, deep basis, that cursing is not a part of our lives. But what I want to look at is kind of the direction that communication has evolved or devolved into over these last generations. In particular, in our Western culture, how we communicate is just as important as what we communicate. Luke 6 and 45, very true statement. A good person will always, or a good person, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. as you think, therefore you speak. Proverbs 15 and 1 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's not my favorite because I'm good at it. It's my favorite because I need this verse probably more than many others. As a reminder, I hold my tongue, and that's hard to do sometimes. The soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words will stir up anger. There's been a complete escalation in this nation of harsh, rude communication such that non-Christians and Christians alike resort to very aggressive name-calling and it has become an acceptable way to disagree, especially and in particular in the digital world, online. And I'm not talking about just atheists. I'm talking about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe ourselves, that we have uh, devolved into uh, such a harsh and rude nature uh, that we have become calloused to the seeing and hearing those type of communications go on. Now, in this day and age, unlike when I was growing up, digital communication probably makes up more of our communication than face-to-face. It just does. When I was growing up, uh, a computer class may have consisted of a little card that you punched, and then it got fed into something, and that was kind of your data entry. There was no online. There was no social media. And so some of us older folks have slowly gotten used to maybe adapted to uh, visiting, communicating, and distributing things online, as opposed to face-to-face. And in the process, there's kind of a culture shock that transpires from time to time. Now, we all grew up, perhaps, those of us a little older and at an age where uh, people weren't rude, they were pretty much kind to each other. And so when you start to uh, develop an online communication and, and develop into social media. My wife's mother, I think she's close to 80, she goes online, she has uh, Facebook. So these are things that we kind of get used to, but what I can't get used to is how we have kind of devolved and how we comment when we're not face-to-face, when we don't make eye contact. We don't see somebody, so all we see is text on a screen or on our phone. And it allows us to fall into a trap. And that trap is very dangerous because communication is communication. It doesn't matter if it comes out of your mouth. It doesn't matter if it's smoked. It doesn't matter if it's sign language. Which if you communicate in a digital world, you're still communicating and upholding standards as a Christian. Case in point. Some of this will be old news to some of you, and I know some of you avoid social media altogether because of these things. And I understand that, I get that. Social media, online communication, all of these things are imperative to some businesses. They have to do that. There are some people whose business it is to answer comments for a business, and they have to deal with some nasty, snotty things, and they have to do it with composure, with poise, and by holding their tongue, not answering the way they want to, but the way they're directed to. But not everybody follows that. I realized there was all kinds of groups that you could join that had interests similar to yours, where collectively people could join together and talk about things that had interest to them. So man, I started joining all kinds of stuff. Those groups about backpacking, camping, kayaking, hiking, Arkansas campsites, campsites that are now available. So I joined all these things, and occasionally when I had time, I would look at the comments. That was an eye-opener. Case in point, one of those groups I joined was a backpacking site, and in this group, there are people from different walks of life, different age groups, those that uh, choose to simply carry just a few things like a hatchet, those of us that carry whatever we want to, those who are older, those who have been doing this for a long time, those that believe that you have to have all the modern technology stuck in your backpack with you wherever you go. Man, they got laptops, they got tablets, they've got a panel hanging off their back, solar charges, all those things. That's okay, you do you. So a question had come up, a comment made by somebody which was innocent. And it's somebody who was a novice who wanted to get into backpacking Very simple question, one that happens on that site a lot. All right, newbie here. I want to get in backpacking. It sounds fantastic. What gear do I need? And I don't want to break the bank. How simple can that be, right? There's no way that could head south, but it did real fast. So somebody comes online, and I'm looking at the comments as they're happening. It started in with, you need all the latest GPS, you need this technology, you need all this, like that, that. You need a feathered French sleeping bag, it's 800 on up. They had about three or four thousand dollars listed here, are the things they absolutely would have to have. Well, some of the older guys, you know, kind of commented, you don't really need all that, here's what you, you know, some basic things that you could use. And what was the comment back? Well, real quick, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got accustomed to that comment, too. So I'm in that age group. I'm a baby boomer, so okay, boomer. Started the whole thing rolling. And from that point, it just got ugly real fast. It was, okay, millennial, here's your trophy. And from there, it was back and forth. <laughs> and before you knew it, there were others joining in. And the fight uh, got pretty nasty. And it was curse words It was kind of communication that you would never have expected, or something that basic and that simple. We were talking about backpacking equipment, but the mindset, because you're not saying it face to face with somebody, you can say whatever comes to your mind, and being rude seems to be a part of that. There's actually a term for that, and it has become such a problem not just in this country, but worldwide, psychologists are having a hard time uh, dealing with people who are trying to fix this issue that they deal with. It's called online disinhibition. What is that? Interactions online that do not fit the self that we represent in person. Aided by anonymity, inhibitions to civility are lowered dramatically People become bullies with bullhorns. Now, I don't read psychology today, uh, but here's a quote from an author, Danny Wallace. Explanation of why we are less inhibited online, the latest research shows that is the lack of eye contact allows us to be particularly rude to people because we dehumanize those whom we do not see. Dave Myers, author of Are You Rude? Rudeness is a form of communication that damages relationships, and yet it is becoming so habitual in this country we don't even notice we're doing it. Social norms online cease to exist. Now, if you spend any time online, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's certain times that if you see comments going on, you just kind of exit and leave it because it's going to go bad real quick. But Something I also noticed, because I am friends online with fellow Christians, is fellow Christians. I mean, they use their name, and they make comments. I know. I know for a fact they wouldn't make face-to-face. These are sweet, dear people I love with all my heart. And I see them making some comments online that start off with, you know what, you're an idiot. You know, we don't let our kids talk that way. We don't talk that way when we're viewing somebody face-to-face, sitting down talking. So why would we ever communicate in that way online? We are what we are, and it needs to be the same face-to-face, no, whatever means we have of communication. but Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the norm. What happens is we wind up competing for one-upmanship. And so one insult is followed by another. Proverbs 21 and 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. All right. Why why am I bringing this up? You're very much aware of what transpires, and I, I have a feeling within this group, within this congregation, this tight knit family. Uh, We probably don't have a big issue with that, of being Jekyll and Hyde, being one person face-to-face and being another person online. Uh, But there has been a movement within this nation, uh, within the uh, religious community, particularly those of us who are Christians. For a long time now, the judicial system has been pushing towards the left. And there was a pushback to try to regain the narrative and in that pushback over the last generation or so there's been a push for an aggressive nature now there needed to be a boldness there needed to be a regaining of our spine so to speak that we started standing up for the Lord and speaking the way that the Bible would have us to speak we have no right at any point in our life ever to apologize for God's word we can't do that We cannot go into a conversation with somebody about the Word of God, say, I know know this this is hard for you and I apologize up front. God doesn't need us to do that. In fact, it's imperative that we don't. Whatever God calls a sin, we too have to call a sin. That's gonna offend some people. It's gonna offend a lot of people. But we can't call that which is righteous bad and that which is unrighteous good. So we have to be bold in that stance. But there have been a great many, and some within a tight-knit group of evangelicals uh, that have taken that many, many steps further. There for a while we saw in the news there was a group of individuals in the name of Christianity who would boldly and rudely go to funerals. It was the funerals of those who had died in service to their country. They would hold up signs, and they would protest at these funerals. They would have bullhorns. They did so under the right of First Amendment free speech. There was a lot of people who looked at those individuals. It's been a little while, some of you may not remember that, but they did so thinking they were boldly proclaiming God's word in a way that people would hear. Nobody saw it that way, I certainly didn't. And people who were atheists, Took that and ran with it as this is what Christians look like. It only takes a few bad apples to give everybody a bad viewpoint of what Christianity looks like. And so not only with that far, I don't want to even say far right group, radical cult type group, mentality, there have been others who have decided that to boldly speak for God that we need to in an abrasive attack dog mode junkyard dog wait till you get close to my fence and I'm gonna be all over you to exchange cursing for cursing attitude of spreading the gospel and talking to people in general and there is many names for that online for taking that approach there's a lot of lessons that people have given that have that approach so in your face I'm going to insult you in every possible way if you do me and we'll call it the vipers and hypocrites mandate theory Matthew 23 the eight woes now what is Matthew 23 what happened when Jesus was preaching in his ministry almost every single time with scribes and the Pharisees and Matthew 23 it's called the eight woes because this is where he says woe unto you scribes and you pharisees and he describes their very nature of what they're doing what they're saying and why they are trying to attack him for spreading the word of his father he describes them as blind guides as foolish a generation of vipers and hypocrites his descriptive nature of what the scribes and the pharisees are is that of whitewashed sepulchres but inside nothing but dry bones. That described him very well. Now there have been some who have taken this as a mandate because they see this as Christ insulting these people. And so they decided that we have not only the right but as Christians that we should be far more aggressive in attacking, in name calling, and in rude behavior whether it's online or in person. If somebody disagrees with us, they believe we should absolutely and viciously attack them back. You now when you have kids, small kids, sooner or later they're gonna hook it up. I mean they're gonna argue. And when you tell them stop, they always say the same thing. I didn't start it, he started it. She started it, it wasn't my fault. They try to justify why they were arguing in the first place. And there's some Christians who try to do exactly the same thing. We didn't start this, but we're going to finish it. All in the name of spreading the gospel in such a vicious and violent and in-your-face way that there is almost no way somebody has been converted out of something else and into Christianity by being called names. Do we call sin a sin? Absolutely. Do we sugarcoat it? No. Do we resort to that type of aggression in your face? I don't care. You said something to me, I'm going to attack you back. I can prove I am bold for the Lord. Is that what boldness is? Let's look at what the Bible says. Ephesians 6 and 19. I pray for me too. I ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain what? God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him. He didn't ask him to pray for him that he could boldly insult everybody in the process of spreading the good news. He asked that he could be bold in his ability to deliver what? The right words in the right way at the right time. Is the right words in the right way and the right time in your face yelling back at you because you started it? I don't think so. I don't see that in the scriptures. In fact I see completely the opposite. These groups who have pushed this line of thinking and has made it into Main Street Christianity to some degree believe that meekness is something that is a weakness. Meekness on one end of the spectrum, boldness on the other end of the spectrum, and that they somehow clash and cannot get along. But the Bible doesn't say that, does it? The Bible says to speak in the spirit of meekness. The Bible says to be bold. Those two have to go hand in hand together, joined together, the same way that still is tempered. If still is not tempered, it will not last. Meekness and boldness together. Is what it requires for Christians. And that doesn't mean popping off the first thing that comes to your mouth and then saying, you didn't start it, so you're just being bold for the Lord. That's not boldness. That's brashness. That's rudeness. And it will not accomplish what God wants us to do. Those type of teachings, and they are prevalent, expect a cursing for a cursing. Period. And what does that mean? Luke 6 and 8. Did it say, somebody curses you, you curse them back to be bold for the Lord? Of course not. It says to bless those that curse you. A blessing for a curse. Is that easy? No. <laughs> it's not. No, I hear, okay, boomer, the first thing that comes to mind is not, I'm going to bless you. You have a blessed day. No. <laughs> not the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> but that's what the Bible says to do it. Bless those that curse you. Not only that, but you pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. They're going to persecute you for Christ's sake. He was persecuted long before us and in ways that we are not. We can take it. We have the fortitude. We can take it. We may not think we can, but we can. So the instinct to fight back immediately in such a harsh way is not what God wants for us. So whether we're online or in person, we have to speak with grace. We have to speak with mercy. Not contempt. Not hatred. Blessings for cursings. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Easy? Nope. Not easy at all. But it's expected. First Thessalonians 5 and 15. See that no one, no one, pays back evil for evil. Always try to do good to each other and to who? All people. Even atheists? Even atheists. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Pray for your enemies. Now these are concepts that are not foreign to anyone who's ever studied the Bible, ever. But yet they are so difficult because we have devolved a little bit as a human population how we interact and talk to each other. If we get so accustomed to talking online in a certain way that it bleeds over into our other lives, then we just become a totally different person altogether than what God wants us to. God wants boldness, but He does not want that kind of brashness and hatred and bigotry. Those people that we detest to talk to because they don't believe in God, and there are forums online for people who are christians to talk openly with those who are atheists and the first thing the atheists typically do is start picking apart your faith all right so you believe the relationship should only be between a man and a woman yeah? and then they center in on whatever it is that may just be one thing and they start trying to make you seem judgmental and hateful and bigoted they start calling you names And some of those sites, the Christians have gotten just as hateful and bigoted and mean. And the name callings resort to things that I would never expect to come out of a Christian's mouth. And for the most part, they wouldn't because face to face, people are different. So whether we're online, whether we're talking to somebody at our coffee table, we can't be two different people and we can't fall into that trap of letting ourselves fight back in a way that God doesn't want us to. You know, all of these things, everything I brought up, and if you did not get a chance to hear Brian's lesson, I highly recommend go online. We have an online presence. You can go listen to lessons that you missed. I did an awesome job, and I touched on some of those, I know, that you did too. please go and listen to that lesson. There's a litmus test, one verse. How do I know if my conversations are righteous? How do I know if what I'm saying is in the right way? Well, here's how we know. It all boils down to this. 1 Corinthians 10:31. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Is your conversation representing the glory of God? Does it represent what God expects out of you? the answer is no, then we need to change how we talk. We change how we communicate with each other, whether that's by email, by text, or commenting online. If it doesn't bring glory to God, there's a problem. I know these are things that are not new. Uh, some of these things, because I am older, I'm just now kind of getting accustomed to, that you've probably been accustomed to for quite some time. I am one of those boomers, I'm uh, a little older and set in my ways, and so uh, it's easy to get your feelings hurt a bit when people bash out at you in ways that, but it's easy because they only see a computer screen, they don't see your face, so we can't take it personal and we cannot fight back the way that Satan wants us to. If it brings glory to God, then that's the way we need to talk. Our conversation needs to be chaste. It needs to be holy. And it needs to be kept that way no matter what the format we're speaking in. I know these things are nothing new to you and I appreciate your patience this morning. I will say that about this group. If you're a young speaker, an old speaker, a new speaker, this is the group to talk to because this particular group has so much grace and compassion. I'm an older guy, I'm one of those boomers that has a monotone voice. I'm not the easiest to follow or listen to, but this group in particular, you always have uh, such patience, and I appreciate that tremendously. So the lesson of the morning is yours. We don't like to close any service without offering the invitation. There's been a song it has been selected, And if you are subject to the gospel call or would desire the prayers of the church, uh, please come to the front and have a seat. That will be your way of letting us know to assist you. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.